You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We're talking football with Bengal Jim and friends. We're talking football. There's Tony, Mark, and Jamie, as well as our charity. Hootie Nation, join in from far and wide. Every Tuesday night, the guys are back at it live. By the fans, for the fans from day one, it's time to have some fun. We're talking fun, we're talking fun. Bang, we're Jim and friends, we're talking football. We hope this never ends. The Bangle boys stop by to drop the speed. Don't get your popcorn ready and take a seat. Season four will and with the Lombardy. Evening, everybody. We got a big comment. We're having some issues with Tom. Tom, sign out and get back in if you could, bud. Good evening. Welcome to another edition of Talking Football with Bengal Jim and Friends. Mark, Bougie Mark's finally back with us. Uh, so good to see him good on. Tony's not with us tonight. Tony's got some other stuff going on. But tonight, um, right after we get done with the introductions here, Mike Watts, Bengals preseason TV, TV play-by-play, uh, will be on with us. Uh, about 8.25, 8.30, Russell Baxter, NFL writer, historian, uh, will be with us. Uh, a founder of Football Goobers. We're going to talk some um, Hall of Fame and Ken Anderson uh, with Russell Baxter here. Uh, around 8.30 as well. But uh, good evening, guys. What's going on? Good to see you. Good to see you, James. Good to uh, to be here. We had a fun both uh, Friday pregame before the Packers game Friday night at Paycor, and then we had a fun event Sunday we'll talk about uh, a little bit later. But uh, week one is in the books, and I think we had the perfect guest getting ready to, uh, to come on to uh, talk about it. Tom, go ahead and introduce him, buddy. Well, you're going to talk about the Bengals, where they're going from the, from the preseason on. You might as well talk to the guy that's telling everybody about them. So Mike's been with the Bengals now several years. We'll have to ask him how many years exactly. But uh, does an outstanding job. I watched him on the replay the other night, and he gets to hang out with Anthony Munoz on top of that. So without further ado, we welcome in the preseason TV voice of the Cincinnati Bengals, Mike Watts. Glad Mike. to be here, guys. How's it going? Oh, Good to see you. Good to be back. Tom, go ahead and shoot, buddy. We got all kinds of stuff for you. Everybody that's watching tonight uh, on YouTube, 
type in as many questions as you can, as many difficult questions as you can. Uh-huh. We're going to stop tonight tonight on some question at some point. So uh, make sure you type in your questions, and we'll try to get to some of those for you as well. Well, I just stumped myself. Mike, this is what year for you? Uh, this is uh, 2018, so year six. Year six. and you, Year six. You did a regular season game too, did you not, on radio? Yeah, I did too. Um, uh, the, the Giants and the Dolphins back-to-back in 2020, which yeah. I think yeah. has to be like yeah. the only games Dan Hort has missed in – however long he's done this job. So, uh, you know, to, to step in for the GOAT and, and work with Lap, I mean, come on, dreams do come true. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, getting in, I mean, we're all in Cincinnati. We couldn't wait for football season to begin. And now we're here. It, to me, and, you know, in your years, you know, now covering the team, but for me and all the years I've been a fan, I cannot remember a year where an ownership and management has put together a team going into the year with such expectations on it. Uh, do you feel that way? Talk, you know, talking to the players and the coaches as well. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's only logical given what's, what's been achieved here over the last couple of years. So, I mean, if you look at what they've done off the field, as well as on the field, you're looking at all the different renovations they're doing. Uh, you get the uh, Trey Hendrickson deal done. You get the Logan Wilson deal done. I mean, clearly there's a, a path of, long-term sustainability and focus on putting together the the product that eventually like the intro said leads to a Lombardi hopefully this year um but at, at some point for sure um while also you know it, it's 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 been pretty impressive seeing the way in which they've listened to the fans and uh acted on that and then putting together a football team that's commensurate with you know competing for titles year in and year out and certainly those are the expectations of of the organization this year. The two guys that they are looking for when you said deals that we still have deals to make with have also given Bengal fans our greatest moments of panic this preseason. That's Joe Burrow. who looks like we dodged a bullet for, he's certainly not back yet, but things are looking better daily. And then T Higgins with social media, everybody knew right away uh, when he got dinged up yesterday at practice and there was a, a minor free get, but that looks fine too. Are you sensing one deal, two deals, no deals, more than two deals? I mean, you know, it, it just your sense being around the guys and, and reading the tea leaves. Yeah, ultimately, I'm not really there to, to read tea leaves. I'm there to watch the, the preseason and, and try and figure out who's going to make the 53. All I can tell you is T and Joe will both make the 53. I'm sure of it. Um, outside of that and, and what it looks like beyond that, for me, that's, that's speculation. Like, you know, I, I haven't had conversations, you know, what you heard with Duke on, on TV during the second quarter is pretty much the exact conversation we're having uh, in the lead up to the game. It's, it's something where, you know, all sides have been quiet about it. And, you know, if that's the way they're going to go about doing that business, um, certainly respect that from, from my angle, no doubt. Mark. Hey, good afternoon, Mike. Um, you know, you guys have the unique perspective of being able to talk to a much larger roster than, you know, the cut down. So I was wondering, do you have any, you know, exciting stories or funny stories from the guys that are more on the back end of the roster? That's a very bougie question. I like that. Yes. <laughs> <Got it. laughs> I don't know how I do. 
Yeah, that's great work. Uh, look, I mean, it, it, pretty much all these guys have some kind of, of remarkable story about them. I mean, if if I'm, I'm looking up and down the roster right now and it's, you know, guys that just haven't gotten nearly enough credit or opportunity in the past. I mean, you know, it, it, why are we talking about Bijan Robinson, but not at all Chase Brown, but Chase Brown was the only guy in the same stratosphere and missed tackles last year. I mean, it's on the field. There's, there's really good stories to, to be told right now. You know, I, I think, you know, the impressive part about the beat reporting core that, that I've gotten to know in Cincinnati is they, they don't really leave a lot of stones unturned. So, I mean, the, the stuff with um, Andre Yosivash and um, the, the some of the undrafted guys, they're sort of on the cusp of being either in the practice squad or, or trying to compete to get into the 53. There's very little that they haven't already said, which which is positive. Um so really, it's it's more just trying to identify how well they play the game when they get the opportunity, because as I keep hearing from folks in the Bengals organization, you, you don't really get to hit anymore in, in, in training camp. You, you get your limited sort of periods where you can, but like, you know, how, how good of a football player are they at NFL speed once they're actually there? That That's ultimately the stuff this year, more so than any other year that I've covered the team has sort of been the focus because it is hyper-competitive for so few positions compared to when I first got here, and it felt like there were five, six, seven open spots that someone in that 90 had to take. Mike, we appreciate you joining us here for year two. Glad we didn't uh, scare you off from last year. When you're not (laughs) doing this, we know you're a a soccer guy. Can you let the guys on the screen know who won the NCAA soccer championship last year? No, I'm staying you know out of that. I'm not getting in the middle of this. No <laughs> chance. No, 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 no. I'm sitting this out. It, I, all I'll say is, is the University of Washington lost it, but I'm not going to say who won it. This is for everybody's benefit. I'm staying out of it. I don't now, know, James, now I've got I Browning mad at me. How did this happen? This is ridiculous. I, I digress. Oh, I man. Digress. All right. You know, they always make fun of me for bringing up soccer, but they always seem to bring it up on their own. So. Yeah. Closet. Closet. Yeah. 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 Anyways, looking at um, Friday, one of the one of the highlights would no doubt would be um, Tyson Anderson. A lot of concern last year or going into this year when when Jesse left, took the free agent deal um, to Atlanta. Tyson kind of forgot about guy, got injured um, early in in camp last year, didn't see much of, of any playing time comes and steps up on, on Friday night. Uh, what's your thought about thoughts about his performance there with the two interceptions and, and kind of one of the, the bright spots last Friday? Yeah, and, and let's start with this. They traded up to get him, and I, you guys know as well as anybody, that's not really the Bengals' M.O. to go trade up for guys, but he had the obviously the captain thing that we've sort of seen that running narrative that you go out and get guys that have been leaders and, and act in, in that kind of fashion. So right off the bat, you knew had the right character guy. He had some pretty decent moments in preseason last year, and then he gets injured after you know maybe 130 chances, you know, snaps to to see him play. Coming into this season, when you ex- expend a third round pick uh, to to bring in Jordan Battle, who obviously at Alabama, I, I watched him uh, with Westwood one a handful of times. He's everywhere in the box and uh, probably underrated. Uh, pass defending safety, if, if you take pro football focus 
at, at full value. Obviously, you spent a first-round pick on Dax Hill, and then you bring in Nick Scott that you anticipate being paired with Dax. Moving forward, you're really only talking there's one, maybe two, depending on how you go about structuring your special team spots, uh, positions available. So you want to see him perform well defensively, and he certainly did that. Um, Had a handful of tackles, but obviously the, the two interceptions stand out most brightly. You're also watching how he does on special teams because when you're talking about your fourth or fifth safety and then you add in the special team side. So, you know, I mentioned it as he as he ran back the pick six on TV. This is this is one of the guys where the preseason probably does decide the extent of his future um, come September 1st and what this looks like, maybe more than some other guys, because they didn't get the full chance to see him last year. They clearly drafted him, uh, traded up to get him. They, they see the physicality that he brings uh, pretty fast. They talk about his recovery speed being good. Um, there, there's a ton to like about him. You just haven't seen him enough. So for him to play as well as he did, um, you know, I thought Anthony made a good point. One is a really good see-the-field interception. And the other one, he just physically outbattled a wide receiver for the ball. I thought that was a pretty good sort of explanation of what he brings to the table in, in different facets. Um, certainly, I thought opened some eyes um, and put his name in, in pretty good company uh, in that game. And now he has to go to Atlanta and do the same thing on Friday. Speaking of that Tyson Anderson interception, we do have the video um, of that. One of the things, if you look at that video, um, defensive line was, another bright spot on that. We got some pressure there on the D line that made um, crowd what, what, what Clifford throw the ball early there, which certainly helped um, Tyson get the INT. So we're going to play the clip. You can listen to the wonderful uh, sound by uh, Mr. Mike here. And then we'll, uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. more. Third down and six for green Bay. Clifford. Throws oh. intercepted. That's a pick six. He needs a big preseason. That'll open a lot of eyes. Touchdown, Cincinnati. So, Mike, let's let's talk about that D-line. I don't think that interception happens without that defensive line getting in Clifford's face there. But talk about some of the guys that stuck out to you. I mean, obviously, Jay, and I'm not going to pronounce the name right, uh, Tufuli. Tufuli, I guess is how you pronounce it. Tufele. Tufele. He had a hell of a game. Um uh, Miles Murphy, I think, had a couple pressures. But talk about some of the, the guys that on that defensive line. Some of them played pretty well. Yeah, I, I thought Raymond Johnson had two or three moments that, that Anthony and I were, were making mention of. Uh, Tufele definitely had a really good game for himself. We, we kept saying Jeff Gunter's name a lot in that game. Obviously, you didn't see Hendrickson. You didn't see Hubbard. Didn't see Hill. Didn't see Reeder. Didn't see Tupo. So, I mean, you're talking the five guys that are most likely to get uh, the lion's share of the snaps at, at the four down positions. But uh, Miles Murphy, you know, there was one play made about five yards beyond the line of scrimmage where he crunched a, a receiver uh, coming out of the backfield. Um, it, in terms of pressure, didn't really see a lot. And I thought Lou Anarumo uh, was diplomatic in, in saying that this is sort of game one. Um in terms of NFL speed and the NFL approach, like it, it, it's very rare. We, we saw an instance um, 
the kid from Georgia for Philadelphia, you know, sacks a guy or knocks a, a quarterback down on the first play. That's great, but it's it's not really indicative of the long term. If he does that a lot, then it's indicative of the long term. So with Miles Murphy, I, I, I don't think anyone's sounding any alarms. Um, you know, you're talking about a guy who at Clemson had, you know, really significant both run stopping uh, and sack getting numbers. So it's not like he's playing a different sport. It's just a, a little different the first time out. I, I think they'll want to just continue to see progression from him in Atlanta and recognize that you've got the luxury. Not a lot of teams can spend a first round pick on a guy where, you know, Sam Hubbard and Trey Hendrickson are considered plus or elite players uh, at their position. And they were able to do that with Miles Murphy and they'll find unique ways I'm sure to use them moving forward. So um, good day for Raymond Johnson. Uh, Dominique Davis recovered a fumble and was involved, I think, uh, in that hit on Clifford in the lead up to it. Uh, Tufele had a good game. Um, yeah, the, the defensive line certainly showed in, in moments. Um, and then you recognize, of course, you'll have elite guys uh, stepping back in uh, whenever that may be. Right. So we have quite a few questions in the uh, chat area right now. But real quick, somebody tonight is wearing is going to win the FOCO James, what kind of hat is this called? A sun hat? I don't even know. All it's I know is my hat. hat. When it, you're cruising for, on a on a boat in the mighty Ohio River, Mike, that'll keep the shade. Mike, you're not eligible to win this, although you, you would look really good on game night wearing this thing, I'm sure, with Mo- Anthony right next to you. <laughs> does does having tonight, that be game worn make a difference? Does it lessen <laughs> the value of it? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody tonight wins this Foco, I don't know what to call it, sun hat or beach hat. So make sure you take your questions in there. Uh, James, you mind hitting a couple of those questions in the chat area? It looks yeah, like I will. Good... I've got one more for Mike before we go to the um, to the fan questions. And as always, we appreciate everyone joining us uh, tonight. Um, coming in, uh, obviously, we know what we have out of the top three uh, wide receivers. Obviously, they're not going to play in, in preseason week one, two, or even maybe three. When you look at um, the draft, uh, Charlie Jones, obviously, the the first wide receiver taken out of Purdue. Saw some great highlights in camp. Rumor is he has a little bit of a, a banged up shoulder. Didn't do too much on Friday night. But another wide receiver um, out of Princeton stepped up big time. Um, the one thing that that shocked me, and you can tell me if you thought the same thing, was was simply Andre's size stood out to me. Um, I mean, Mike, before you answer that, that James, time. say his full name. Oh, no. Yeah, no, Andre. Andre. <laughs> Andre the Giant. Yes, yes. <laughs> simply uh, – Simply Andre, but um, I don't know if it was obviously a part of the game plan going in with with ten targets, um, going to him, catching four of them, making some nice plays. But um, certainly looked fun to watch. It looks like he has a bright future amongst our, our deep core of wide receivers. What's your thoughts on that, Mike? Yeah, and I, I think you know you, you read a lot of the reporting, and it's he's shedding the idea of of being a project wide receiver. When I think big project wide receiver, I'm I'm, I'm thinking like Auden Tate, but this isn't anything like Auden Tate. This is a guy who, from a speed, strength perspective, this guy's a world-class, potentially Olympic heptathlete. Like, you know, it it would be easy to go, well, he played in the Ivy League or he played it at a lower collegiate level, and all of that is true for sure. But the, the statistics around his physicality and athleticism are genuinely chart topping kind of topics I think you still want to see you know I think back to the the conversation that the receivers coach had when he first drafted him 
He's not used to press coverage. He's not used to elite corners. He's not used to corners that have the the kind of length that you'll find in the NFL. I mean, all those things are accurate, and I'm not sure you're going to get a complete picture of that based on who was playing in the game when he was playing in the game against Green Bay. But you are talking about a guy who's genuinely six foot three. And on cleats, if he were six four and a half, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, he's a big dude. And you, you saw him against some of these DBs that were in the game uh, third quarter, and you're kind of like, oh, my goodness. He's, he's, I mean, he's substantially bigger than those guys. And he uses his body effectively. You know, you look at the play in the end zone. We talk about four catches. He almost had the play of that game. Uh, reaching over the top, and if if his foot was, I don't know, three sizes smaller, we're talking about him having this this epic touchdown catch as well. So uh, I, I think when you look at uh, Andre Yosevash, um, which they, they just did a, a, a Orlando Brown go around the uh, locker room interview segment where they ask guys how to spell it and say it. Um, and Alan George was so proud he said it right. And then he spelled it brutally wrong. He's like, I'm a Vanderbilt guy. I know. And then, <laughs> and then he goes, he's a little bit off the mark. But, um, no, I, I think he's gaining the respect of the guys around him at, at the level that he's playing at. And, obviously, you've got your big three guys for sure. Uh, and you, you look at the camp that Trent Irwin's had. Trent Taylor's been around this block. Even, you know, making it beyond the top three, they're guys that are trusted to play significant roles. Uh, Andre uh, certainly was targeted in a way where it it makes clear that they're interested in seeing what he can do. And then, you know, as I mentioned with the safety position, there's not going to be, you know, hopefully much of a need uh, to use five, six wide receivers in a game. Hopefully you're using three. So you need him to do the other things well. And that was something that, uh, he made clear after that game as well. Fred Sonia, that's it. All right. We got a question from Brandon, who's always the first to say who day every uh, every show. And he asked about the the energy of the crowd on, on Friday night. For a preseason game, I think a lot of the fans are like, oh, you know, we're going to see the third, four stringers, you know, not a lot of fun. But um, I think Paycor was rocking, and I think a lot of the NFL was rocking with with big crowds across the NFL for for preseason what's your thoughts on that Mike yeah well for one I I know on NFL Network which was simulcasting the game that you saw on local 12 or if you're in other markets um, Columbus Dayton uh, Louisville uh, you know you got a decent uh, crowd watching there too it's like 1.4 million people were, were watching the game on NFL Network um, and most of them on mute believe it or not but uh, it's, it's the, I don't remember a preseason crowd being that excited. I, I think maybe, you know, you could talk about the, the game against LA, uh, last year, uh, given the implications around it, the, the Super Bowl rematch and everything. But I think you can make a, a, a really solid argument. That's as good a crowd as we had the, uh, pick six. I thought crowds going crazy. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, maybe a couple of people left early. It's preseason. You're starting at 730. Uh, that's fine. But I don't know. There are very many seats that were empty when we kicked that thing off. And I've watched a lot of preseason football over the years, and that is extraordinarily rare. I, I you know, we started uh, 2021 in Tampa Bay. I don't remember the Buccaneers having a crowd that good coming off winning the Super Bowl. So 
Um, no doubt people are pretty jacked up about it and, uh, they certainly got a high scoring game. That's for sure. Another question agree and, and kudos to the Bengals fans for coming out and, and supporting our, our preseason game. Uh, Brian asked, and this is another, um, roster spot to look at uh, of who's going to, um, be the top four that they probably take. Uh, we saw what Chris Evans gets a start on, on Friday night. We know the talent he has. Can he pick up the blitz? Can he be that third down guy? We know how explosive he can be when we slide him out into the slot. What's your thoughts on the uh, the number two spot behind Joe Mixon at the running back position? Yeah, I think for one, you still need to give some potential the fact that Travion Williams, I, I don't know what the exact timetable is for him, but he was also returning kicks. So, you know, he had another role that sort of gave him added value. Um, you know, I, I get the feeling that, you know, Chase Brown picking up a couple of really tight third downs carried some weight. You know, this is a team that has not had a 50 yard run from scrimmage, uh, in four years. So the 33 yarder by Chris Evans is one of the longer runs we've seen from a Bengals running back in a little while. Um, that's not to be lost in it either. To your point, you know, in, in talking with Zach and I mentioned this on air, um, he was hoping they'd throw a lot of six man rushes in that game. Like, you know, you need to see live ammo when your running backs are being asked to pass protect, uh, as opposed to practice where, you know, ultimately your job is to slow down before you hit the quarterback, not speed up to go through the running back. It's not to say that they don't get any practice at that, but that it is a little bit different, uh, when you're actually playing in a game. So, uh, I, I think, you know, the, the next two weeks do matter. Zach, Zach told us in the lead up to game one, we want to get these guys carries and reps and see what they do when, you know, there's a, a real live game going on. And so, you know, Chris Evans probably going into it has the advantage given that he's been here, knows the system well, but uh, you, you do get the feeling that Chase Brown does have a, a number of redeeming qualities in a way that, um He's going to make it hard. It, I think he's going to make it very hard. So um, at the end of the day, there's a good chance, you know, you'll see, you know, several of those guys end up sticking around and potentially, you know, all three of those guys stick around if you include the practice squad. So, you know, how the order goes, I think is very much up to them right now. Do you have time for one more question, Mike, from a viewer? Bring it. Let's do this. Hey, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on, James. Nobody's asking any hard questions at all uh, to, to Mike. So heat them up, pick them up a little bit, guys. Come on, we need to get put Mike in a spot here before he gets off. <laughs> we'll put him on the spot here, Lisa, who we saw pregame down at um, Bengal Gyms on, on Friday night. Uh, we obviously, we know that what's going on with, with Joe Burrow. We saw Jake Browning, who was on the practice squad for most of the year, get the start uh, for preseason game number one. I think it's already being announced, Trevor Simeon. We'll start in Atlanta this week. As Bengals fans, uh, Brandon Allen's not here uh, this year, who apparently had some uh, comfort with Callahan and, and Joe. Shall we be worried about that backup spot, um, seeing what we did in, in week one? Yeah, I, I'm not worried about it yet. I, I think ultimately Zach makes a, a pretty fair point at the postgame presser. Like, your job is to get in the end zone and take care of the football. Uh, ultimately didn't fully take care of the football and did not get into the end zone offensively. So right off the bat, um, you, you need more out of those guys. You also haven't seen them 
uh, when, you know, one, five and 83 are on the field either. Um, you're asking different things out of the two players. I think if you're looking at Jake, um, we know he can play off schedule. Um, uh, you know, when things break down, he's got some athleticism. He can create some unique plays. It's why some fans certainly got excited, uh, watching him play last year. Uh, conversely, you know, Trevor Simeon's been there and done that and done it for a number of teams, less familiar with this particular system, but you know, it's a guy who's been in the league for a long time. And if you need him for a game or two, which you hope you don't need your backup quarterback at all, you're hoping you need him to hand off when it's a 30 point game. But if you do need him for a game or two, that was not a great performance necessarily by either, but I'm also not sitting here freaking out just yet. Um, I would think, you know, the Atlanta game, the plan was always to continue to split the reps in the way that um, Zach said that they would. So that's not a surprise to me. Um, Now you're looking to see, okay, again, take care of the football, get the team aligned, um, be able to uh, drive the team into the end zone a couple of times that that's going to be the mark of someone taking the lead, I would imagine, in that competition. All that said, there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks available at the end of this. Um, that, that's sort of the nature. I mean, Brandon Allen signed in San Francisco. They have at least one too many quarterbacks over there. So who's to say he's not available at the end of this? Um, you know, there'll be guys with NFL experience and guys that have been around a similar system to Zach if they need to go that direction. But ultimately, you, you don't really go into this expecting Joe Burrow uh, I imagine to miss any or any significant amount of time. Um, when, when you've got an MVP candidate, that that's ultimately how you win Super Bowls. So I'm not worried yet, but I can understand why you might be sitting there at the end of that game going, okay, I want to see more um, before we give out QB2. Um, you know, I think it's a genuine competition. And, um, you know, I thought – Jake probably had more plus plays in that game from my uh, my very lame and I. Um, but, you know, it's it's something where you got to expect that, uh, you know, uh, Pitcher and Callahan and, and Zach are, are capable of figuring out how to best fill that spot. Yeah. Jimmy, Tom, it's I up think... to you or Tom if you want to stump uh, Mike here with a hard question. Oh, Tom, boy. go ahead. I'll wing him one. Yeah, Mike. Uh, the national media, especially in the last couple of days, I think some of the reports out of here about our defense, talking about our defense, stepping it up even higher. You know, another year of all these guys in lose system. Uh, are you sensing a, a cohesiveness and, and we're you know, not just going to go from a defense that can stop other teams, but uh, a defense that should concern all other offenses that we play this year? Yeah, I, I think that's the expectation or that's the goal. Uh, obviously there's a chance there's some growing pains. Cam Taylor Britt didn't even start every game last year. So um, I, it doesn't look like there's a sophomore slump brewing the way he he's played in training camp, um, but he's still a young player. And those always come with a handful of ups and, and downs. You've got, you know, two new safeties starting full time. It doesn't mean you're, you're going to have a, a flawless performance there. Uh, Cheeto's coming off of injury. We can all be excited about DJ Turner, and that's deserved. Um, but it, again, you're talking about a, a young, uh, you know, rookie player that didn't start that much at, at Michigan either. Um, but you've got that entire front six, 
back uh, and you are going into this anticipating that Pratt and Wilson will play at elite levels. Uh, if one or both of them made the Pro Bowl or heck the the All Pro team, um, we're starting to get to that conversation. Um, you, you've got a top five sack artist in the league over the past couple of years on one end, and you've got maybe the best uh, run stopping defensive end who's not too shabby rushing the quarterback uh, on the other, and you've got two top tier the way they've played the last couple of years interior defensive linemen. At this point, there, there's no reason to think that, you know, that shouldn't scare teams a little bit or make it harder to plan for. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, there may be some ups and downs that come with some of the inexperience in a couple of roles or maybe the uh, how new it might be to have that pairing at safety or, you know, there's always a chance for injuries as we've come to find out last year. Um, but, no, it's it, this is supposed to be good. The defense is supposed to be good this year, no doubt. Right. Hit you with one more here. I, I think we've we talked a lot about the defense and uh, I think, but let's talk about Collins, uh, Identity, Carmen, Smith. Uh, you know, who do we think, man, is going to go at, uh, at, at right tackle? I don't think that's been solidified yet, but I mean, there's some interesting battle getting ready to happen there. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've certainly seen the the tape of, of Jackson. Um, it's the same conversation we've been having right, where um, it needs to be more consistent. And you're, you're talking about a guy who has all the athleticism necessary to play that position, um, but has not shown consistently to do it. Um, you know, whether it's a Denigy or Smith, you're talking about guys who have, in fact, played in big games there. Um, and you expect to get Lyle Collins back at some point. What exact week that is, I don't know. So the reality is you, you go into this hoping – uh, that that Jonah does not suffer a setback of any kind. I think that's your sort of step one here. Um, you know, to me, it, you know, Carmen needs to put together a really effective couple of quarters here uh, and, and get people um, on the same page um, or else, you know, you would expect that, the, you know, Deontay Smith or Hakeem Adeniji will get every opportunity uh, to try and go seize one of those swing tackle sort of positions like that. That's it's the nature of competing in the NFL. Um, Jackson may have the highest ceiling, um, but oftentimes for backups, you're looking for the the highest floor as well. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Mike, brother, it was uh, we I came home and I got to watch the game on, I guess, NFL Network replayed the game and, and got to hear you. Uh, that, that was you that was on the broadcast. So, brother, we well, the, the silky smooth voice of Mike Watts on on TV. <laughs> Uh, even though you have a face for radio, you look great. You sounded great on TV, you know? <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, I'm just happy to be talking football with Bengal Jim and friends. You know, I, I, it's, all things are on tears here, and I'm just over the moon to be a part of this one. But, uh, no, guys, it's uh, always a pleasure to, to chat with you guys and always a pleasure to get us back to football. We, we've That's all right, won. We've waited a long time, guys. Yeah, brother, hey, Mike, you yeah. do a great, you I got do a great really job. Fun. Go ahead. Like Go ahead. Culture, so I was just wondering, do you have a favorite soccer club over in uh, Europe that you watch? You have Say this team? again. Do you have a favorite team that you watch? Over. Soccer. Oh, uh, so uh, one of my best friends is a, a founding member of the pride for FC Cincinnati. So I've become uh, a pretty regular watcher of them overseas. 
Uh, I know I'm a, I'm a scumbag for saying this Chelsea um, more for Drogba. Uh, that, okay. Yeah. That, then we're bougie together on this more for Drogba <laughs> than for Pulisic. Um, and, and then just, you know, it, it, at working in the sport as much. And I can say the same about working football. It's, it's why I, I root for the Bengals. Um, even when I'm not around the team over the course of the regular season, you root for people. You root for really good people, and every experience I've ever had with a number of teams in this country, on the soccer side, and certainly on the football side with with the Bengals, they're really easy to root for. Um, and so I, I always say I don't really root for teams as much as I root for people, and I'm certainly um, in that vein with uh, FC Cincinnati and, and a handful of other teams. That's awesome. Well, Mike, brother, we appreciate you, man. You do a hell of a job, man. Thanks so much for spending some time with us tonight. It means a lot, bud. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, You can watch. You don't even have to listen. You can mute it, but please watch on Friday night. It'll be to all of our benefit. (laughs) We appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, guys. Thanks, buddy. See ya. (laughs) He was fun last year, too, man. He was good stuff. So, Tom, you're back, buddy. So let's go ahead. We got a, a great uh, guest here. So we're going to talk some Bengals and, and stuff with here, Russell Baxter. But we're going to talk some uh, Hall of Fame and probably some Ken Anderson talk. Tom, go ahead and kick us off here with uh, Russell. I discovered Russell. I'd, I'd read him several times, but he wrote a fantastic article about a month ago and agreed to come on the show with us to talk about Ken Anderson. He's listing his players that he felt deserved to be in the Hall of Fame, and he is a big follower of the Hall of Fame and the process and listed Ken Anderson as number two and made quite the case for him. So uh, without further ado, NFL columnist and sounds like great football fan, Russell Baxter. Welcome to Bengal Gym and Friends. Well, hello, guys. Uh, I've heard adieu and bougie in the last <laughs> two minutes. And um, all I can think of is wee-wee uh, <laughs> and Eiffel and Eclair. That's the, it for me for French. <laughs> I hear bougie a lot at my house, to be honest with you. So, uh, not just me, I think. <laughs> hey, Russell, no. thanks for thanks for making time for us tonight and 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 working with us to to be here. Uh, the article last month that that I read that kind of put us in in contact with each other. Uh, we were just up um, in Canton, thrilled that finally we Bengal fans got some justice, but more specifically. Ken Riley's family got some justice. Unfortunately, we lost Ken himself a few years ago to a heart attack, but um, somebody else near and dear to us that we feel is decades late getting in is Ken Anderson. And with the senior committee vote coming up next week, what are your thoughts on Kenny being in the Hall of Fame? Well, uh, obviously I had him and I'm, I'm working on some new Hall of Fame articles and I was there as well. Uh, I've been attending the festivities in Canton, Almost every year since 1989, um, that's when the ceremony used to be on the steps. Um, It was about 11 o'clock in the morning. It was not at the stadium, which is now, by the way, the the reason it's at the stadium it is now is all due to Jim Kelly, who told the Hall of Fame that he was bringing 3,000 people with him to see him get in that. And he did. And if you know Jim, and I got to work with Jim when I was at ESPN, he's a man of his word. And it worked out so well. That's why they now have the ceremony at the stadium instead of the steps. So the first year I went, it was Art Shell, Wooly Wood, and maybe two guys you aren't too fond of, Mel Blunt and Terry Bradshaw. So Mel Blunt's a good guy. (laughs) 
Well, and and listen, it was very emotional. And I don't know if you guys were at the jacket ceremony on Friday night. Was anybody there? Jimmy I did not there. make that. Oh, yeah. uh, I can assure you, if you think the speeches are emotional, the jacket ceremony, at sometimes it can be even more emotional. When you know, and and in the case of Ken, who's deceased, and so on, it's a little bit of a different ceremony, and so on. Same thing with Don Coriel, um, you know, getting his a plaque or, or or the process with him and so on. But let's get back to Ken Anderson uh, in an era. And, you know, you think about the football in the 1970s and I know people get so caught up now in, well, you know, that's not real football anymore. Well, I mean, you, you tell Tyree kill when he's running past you that it's not real football anymore. Okay. It is different. It's a little bit safer and that's understandable. So, because, those guys who played in the fifties and the sixties and the seventies and eighties. And I, you know, I know quite a few of them because I worked with them uh, in television and so on, you know, it's, it, they, they gave up their bodies um, in a lot of ways and so on. But Ken Anderson was a precision passer in an era where they were defying you to become a precision passer. Um, you know, the rules changed in 1978 uh, as far as contact on the line, uh, pass blocking, where uh, offensive linemen were allowed to extend their arms, which wasn't really the case early on and so on. And, uh, you know, even though Ken's Anderson, Ken Anderson's numbers, you know, touchdown interception weren't ne necessarily brilliant after that, uh, he understood the game. He knew un understood how to take apart even the best of defenses. Um, and, and that Steelers defense was a supreme test. I remember a game in 1974 um, at Cincinnati. The Steelers wound up winning the Super Bowl that year. But, you know, the Bengals beat them 17 to 10. And it was all due to Ken Anderson just being very, very precise. He, he was perfect for that offense. He was eventually a league MVP. Um, and hopefully, and I don't know what's going to happen next Tuesday because we're going to go from 12 to 3. And he's one of the 12, which is obviously very positive. Um, and you really don't know what's going to happen. Uh, there was a lot of consensus out there. And if you go by the last three guys that get left off last year's list, I believe it was Bob Kuchenberg and um, Sterling Sharp and Randy Gratishar. Well, a lot of people assumed that Kuchenberg would be in the final 12 this year and he's not so who knows what's going to happen next week um i think there's still a lot of sentiment for grandish gratishar there seems to be a lot of groundswell right now for steve mcmichael who's going through a very very tough time physically and so on so it's it's hard to get in the mind of the voters but for me i i list ken anderson number two i actually put elsie greenwood as number one and i'm one of those guys when i look and i have no vote I'm just a, you know, a, a writer who's been doing this for a long time and so on. And I love my history. And I look at stuff like, you know, people like to look at the, their career stats. One of the career stats I like to look at is postseason. And one of the reasons I have L.C. Greenwood where he is, is he had 12 and a half sacks in the playoffs alone. And the Steelers were in the playoffs a lot. So. You know, that's one of those reasons you got to look at somebody like Willie McGinnis maybe down the road. I think he holds the NFL postseason record for career sacks. So it's easy to look at final numbers and then try to break them down that way and so on. But to, to circle back, 
Ken Anderson, I think, is very, very worthy. And, you know, I'll, I'll throw out two other guys who I think are very, very worthy. Uh, Willie Anderson, uh, a fine tackle. And a lot of it's funny, you know, you, you go on Twitter here and, and people who I've, I follow a lot of guys and they follow me back who are voters, um, historians and so on. And um, there's, there's a push out there for Lamar Parrish as well. And, and some people would like like to see that happen. And and a lot of it's going to depend, depend on how much further the Pro Football Hall of Fame goes in terms of the process of getting more of these senior members in. You know, it used to be one a year. Now it's three a year. And that's going to continue into 2025. There's people who have suggested that they, they need to do more than that. Uh, you know, it comes down to simple math. Pro football began before the turn of the century. The NFL, even though it was a different name in 1920, began in 1920. The Pro Football Hall of Fame opened in 1963. So they immediately have a 43-year drought or backlog of trying to play catch-up with some of these all-time great players. And, uh, you know, some of the uh, some of these guys who are, you know, some of them long gone and so on, uh, I know it's frustrating to their families, and I think it's frustrating to fans. And uh, I'll be curious to see how the senior process goes in the next couple of years. Um, you know, there's a new president with the Hall of Fame in the last couple of years and so on. And he seems very, very anxious uh, to make a more of a push for the seniors, the senior committee guys, to get in here. And hopefully it's if you've never been, and like I said, the first year I went, and the first year I went, I was hooked. And I went a lot of years with ESPN when we did the ceremonies and so on. Even though I left ESPN about a dozen years ago, I drive from Connecticut to Ohio every year. And it's a long drive. Um, but that's okay because it's worth it when you get there. So, Russell, help, help me understand here. So, I know, obviously, we, we're all on the same page with you, but we love having you on. Um, we've been really involved in this process. Uh, we've learned a lot. <laughs> um, you know, it wasn't a whole lot of transparency through this process. And, and even – Last year, so there's been a little bit more uh, transparency in this, but the bottleneck is obvious. There's so many great players that should be mm -hmm. in the Hall of Fame. But what what do you hear from from voters? Right, um, I know you talked to probably some of them, but the senior voters specifically on the whys of of a Ken Anderson who just seems to be an obvious miss here. But what's what do they say? What what do they talk about with Ken Anderson? What why is he not in already? It's just it's just hard to fathom. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I don't think there's so much that people talk about Ken Anderson or anybody specific. So, you know, some of the people who get talked about the most are the older players like uh, Maxie Bond. And, and uh, keep in mind something here. Jerry Kramer waited 40 years to get in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. OK, and some people thought he deserved it. And he was very, very patient. And, you know, and he finally got in and so on. I, I think what the problem has been is, I, I, and I don't want to say restrictions, but to a degree there is. And I think that's why you're in these last couple of years. I mean, listen, a couple of years ago, we had a class of 20 come in, which was the biggest class since the inaugural class of 17 charter members in 1963. So there, I, I think there are people involved in this process who are trying to push the Hall of Fame into giving them more options okay i and i don't think any of this is personal i don't think this is anything against franchises uh you, you guys are on twitter you guys are on social media um 
this this idea that the NFL is trying to keep certain teams out and limiting certain things and so on. Uh, this just in, kids. The NFL doesn't run the Pro Football Hall of Fame. The Pro Football Hall of Fame is a separate entity. They don't run it. They have their preseason game there. Roger Goodell supports it. But they do their own thing. That's why it's the Pro Football Hall of Fame. That's why the the Cleveland Browns and the San Francisco 49ers and the Baltimore Colts of the AAFC All-America Football Conference are recognized in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and so are their records. But you're not going to find any of Otto Graham's numbers from 1946 to 49 in the NFL record and fact book because they weren't part of the NFL. So that that's something that's – there's no conspiracy theories here. I think sometimes uh, sentiment jumps in for a certain player – um, and people take a closer look. Um, I know me, I know speaking for myself, and again, I'm not a voter, but I learn about new new players, you know, steadily. Oh, I didn't even know about this guy. I don't even know about that guy, and so on. And, yeah. you know, that's kind of the fun part about it. And that you got guys out here, besides the writers like Rick Goslin and Clark Judge, and, and these guys, they both do an outstanding job putting stuff out on Twitter. Clark Judge is is amazing. But there's other historians like John Turney, um, who provides a lot of content and so on. I don't, I don't know if you know, I met John many years ago and so on. John Turney is one of the reasons, perhaps the biggest reason, that you can now find sacks beyond 1982 when it became an official stat. That's why you go on Pro Football Reference now and they have sacks from 1960 on. They're not recognized officially by the NFL, but more and more they're getting used because he went back through old media guides and he looked at old box scores. And, you know, now we have different sack numbers. I mean, I, you know, acknowledge pro football reference and so on. And I think that that's the kind of stuff that also helps people's cases as far as getting to know some of the older players and so on. So, um, you know, it's different with quarterbacks and offensive players because those offensive player numbers are right there. Um, so I, I, am not sure what's going to happen next week. Um, but you know, you get to the final 12, you're obviously getting closer. And, um, you know, to me, it's kind of odd. Um, and I can't really explain it. I mean, there's really only two primary Bengals as far as players in the pro football hall of fame. And that's Anthony Munoz, who is the, you know, the, the arguably the greatest offensive lineman, regardless of position. Uh, and now finally, Ken Riley. And, and, yeah, and, and the Riley thing, I think, got, sorry, the, the Riley thing, it, it, one of the things that always comes up is the fact that, you know, he was named All-Pro in his final season um, and was never named to a Pro Bowl, okay? And, you know, I look at 65 interceptions, which is tied for fifth all time. You know, here's something to keep in mind. And I got to talk to Paul Krause the year he was in uh, – they – told him he was going to pro football. He waited. Paul Krause has 81 interceptions and 19 phone. He has a hundred takeaways and he couldn't get in first ballot. That's missed even more mystifying to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. I think the only thing I would, t- I agree with everything you say there. And again, I just, my opinion is 55 years of an NFL franchise and we have two mm-hmm. players in a hall. Of fame. There's way you know, more deserving than that. You, you I, mentioned, I, Totally the Lamar Parrishes, the Willie Andersons, the Ken Andersons, the Isaac Curtises, the Corey Dillons. And so, yeah, I, it just, it's just frustrating. But I, 
it, it's starting to turn now. So hopefully mm -hmm. this Riley thing is open to floodgates. Cause one thing we learned Russell going through this process has been interesting. It's, I didn't think about it, but it's this, this whole process affects the family as much, if not more than the actual player, especially in Riley's situation. Right. Um, but it's, it's been uh, interesting to watch this and be part of it. And, and the pro, and, if I may interrupt you, Jim. Yeah, yeah, please. Pro Football Hall of Fame weekend is all about the family. It's not about the player so much. And to a man, um, these Hall of Fame speeches have, if I could pick out a common theme of 30 plus years, it is the sacrifice that the families made so these men could have their dream come true. Awesome. And you hear it a lot. You hear it a lot. You hear the acknowledgement of high school coaches and college coaches, but more so my wife took care of things so I could go play football to kind of sum things up and so on. And that, that just is outstanding to me. And, you know, the, these speeches, you know, hearing DeMarcus Ware talk, hearing just over the years, the, the ones that strike me the most are the ones loaded with perspective um, about being able to go away and play a kid's game for lack of a better word and have someone take care of things. And, you know, you see these guys when they're done and now that the time they get to spend with their families and their children and so on, that, like I said, the hall of fame weekend to me is more about the family than actually the player going in. Go ahead, Tom. Go ahead, Jay. Go ahead, you don't have to fight about me. I mean, and, and, you know. Hey, we're thrilled you're here, James. Go ahead. I'll get. I'll get <laughs> after you. All right. This is, and you've touched on this, and, and listener Greg in the in the chat has, has talked about this. Uh, and we ask, uh, we've had the privilege of had a, having a lot of Hall of Fame voters on. We ask this question um, to them all: of How much is it of it is the, the small market? How much of it is is the bad years? And how much of it is the recent success and maybe propelled Ken Riley to get in here? recently in your thoughts um russell and i noticed you're from i uh, went to high school in east stroudsburg pennsylvania i had the, the privilege of spending some some time in that area in my my younger days so again thanks for joining us and i uh, love to hear your comments and, and kind of market size the bad years and the current success you know maybe helping us now i, th I think it's more about franchise success and less about market Okay, I mean, if it was about market, how come there are so many Green Bay Packers in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? It's about the success of the franchise. You know, I talked about Paul Krause for a while. I think for many years, because of the Bengal, uh, the Vikings' lack of success in those Super Bowls, and they listen, they went to four Super Bowls in a relatively short span. They didn't win any of them. In fact, they never scored a point in the first half of any of those. But as time wears on, people go back and look at. Carl Eller and Alan Page and uh, Mick Tinglehoff and obviously Tarkenton and, and some of their great players and realize that those Viking teams, you want to talk about bad luck? What an error they wound up playing in. Uh, they played against the Kansas City Chiefs, who were the most successful team in the history of the 10 years of the AFL. They played a Dolphins team that's better, in my opinion, than the 72 Dolphins. They ran into the Steelers as they were getting ready to win four Super Bowls in six years. And then they settled for the Oakland Raiders, who were ready to take out their frustrations because they couldn't get to the Super Bowl because of Miami and Pittsburgh. So I think people go back and look at it. You know, it's like the, how many Buffalo Bills are in there and, and 
how long did it take for some of those guys after losing four straight Super Bowls? But I think people are becoming a little more open-minded and understanding now. I think the you know social media plays a little bit of a part of that, uh, and and the Pro Football Hall of Fame has certainly embraced that. And you get more voices, you get more opinions. Um, but I think it's it's about the success of the I mean, Think about this: the Vikings have not been to the Super Bowl since 1976. The the Bengals have been to three Super Bowls since then. Now they haven't won any, but I think. Things are turning around, not so much because it's the Bengals, but I think just in football in general, people are becoming a little smarter and starting to embrace history. I mean, listen, you still have that faction of people out there, and I hear from them a lot, that you're trying to convince me that the first 46 years of the NFL doesn't really count all that much. Um, I have two letters for that, and I won't use them here. Um but now you're seeing and understanding how great these players are. And the thing to remember about the Hall of Fame, and I'll have to tell you guys this, this is an individual award, okay? I understand some guys have success, team success and so on, but this is more about the player. How many players are in the Pro Football Hall of Fame who aren't NFL champions, who aren't Super Bowl champions, okay? I mean, it was a different world as far as playoffs, but think about this. Gale Sayers and Dick Butkus – Never played in a playoff game. Wow. Now, the playoffs were different back then. And Dick, Dick Buckets' career crept into the Super Bowl era and so on. But none of them ever played in a postseason game. Well, they stink. They shouldn't be in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tom? One of the things that, you know, and in, in we've interviewed some voters here and talked to some voters off the air, in fact, some last weekend, is I'm, I'm amazed of the, the criteria. Uh, there was one voter who, when I mentioned to him, well, you know, Ken Anderson won four passing titles. No, he didn't. Well, yes, he did, sir. Please check it. And he did. Oh, how about that? Well, I'll have to look at that. Another one gave me a, you know, you just didn't see a lot of him. Well, you, you know, no, you, no, you didn't, uh, you know, in an era where you had a 1 p.m. game and a 4 p.m. game that, you know, CBS put the Cowboys on, NBC put the Raiders on, on the on the West Coast game every week. Uh, no, and hopefully you got you got Howard Cosell to do your halftime highlights on Monday and, Night Football. And maybe maybe Cosell would mention you during halftime. You know, Ken Anderson himself said that you know to find out what was going on around the league and see what was going on around the league, they quickly showered after a one o'clock game to get in their cars and fly home. To, to, you know, for the four o'clock game halftime so they could see the highlights in. That was all they got to know what was going on around the league. And Paul Brown, who still has influence, even though God rest his soul, has been gone since 1991 here. You have to look at, at the elite Bengal players you're talking about. Anthony Munoz, Ken Riley, and other guys, you know, that we feel should be in there. Ken Anderson, Isaac Curtis. Willie Anderson, you know, you're not talking about flash guys. They weren't flash run for TV no. guys. They had Hall of Fame play on the field, but they were team first class acts, class human beings. And I think to a degree they're punished for that. The other thing I, I don't understand about our Bengals is, is we have a generation of voters now that are stained from that decade of the 90s that 10, 12-year period 
where we were terrible. We had, you know, a couple of great, but in fact, Willie Anderson was on those teams. He had some of his best years was on the team. Maybe he had some of the best years at right tackle of any tackle in the history of the game. But it's 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 overlooked. I, I think for us and certainly for them, you know, that's frustrating. But we're we're crying in, you know, into the woods. And it's not easy being a voter. We just started our ring of honor here in Cincinnati. And we and we as fans, you know, we started very late. We've got guys that deserve to be on that wall at Paycor Stadium that aren't there yet. They're worthy of it, but they're not there yet because they're having been spaces. We know it's not easy, but it is awful frustrating and sometimes not fair. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Actually, it's very disappointing to hear that comment about the four. Somebody not knowing that Ken Anderson's statistics. Um, I would think if you're not familiar with the player that, gee, I'm trying to think there's probably like no resources in the world anymore that where you can just find player <laughs> information. Um, let's really think. Uh, you got to go to the library, Russell. We got to go to the you, library now. Well, you should see my library over here. Okay. <laughs> I still have, I still have, first off, I have record and fact books going back to 1984. Okay. I have the old sporting news guides. <laughs> remember those? Yeah. Yeah. I have some. Old, I have some have, too. They have the box scores in them. And I still use them if I if I can't find something. Um, because there's only certain things that go back a, a certain way, uh, a, a certain length and so on. Um, and I'm an old school. You know, I worked with Chris Berman for a long time. And me and him were both old school. He was, you know, to the to the times I worked with him, I was still faxing him stuff. I'm not I'm not kidding. Okay. Um so having that stuff in front of you, but, uh, you know, it, it, that's almost amazing because the information is, it's now easier to study a player, okay? Not only can you study the player statistically, you can go on YouTube or something and see some, at least highlights of them, or probably, it, the more I go on YouTube, you find complete games. Watch a game yeah. or two. Watch how he handles himself and so on. So the resources are there. Okay. There's really no excuse not to be buttoned up on that type of stuff. And you listen, I'm a researcher background. Okay. I'm a writer, but you know, my main role at ESPN for 22 years was NFL research. Um, doing NFL primetime with Boomer and Tommy for, for 17 years and all the other NFL shows and the draft and so on. It's not, it, it's not that hard. It's easier. Than it was when I was doing it. When I first started there, there was no internet. Okay. And it, it, you know, the, Record and fact book, um, you know, I, I can remember having to call uh, press boxes to get stats for NFL primetime in the middle of the show. Okay. Now you just go on NFL GS, SIS and, or Yahoo and stuff and bingo, they pop up. It's a different world. Yeah, and it's it easier now to study up on players than it ever was. Yep. James, did you have one more? No, I I, I want to hear some more East Stroudsburg stories from James, to be honest with yeah, you. I don't have anything as exciting as <laughs> you're talking about, uh, Russell. But talk about those those ESPN days when you say you're a researcher, especially maybe to the younger people. What did that involve? Were you getting uh, info to the host or what was exactly were you doing when you were researching for ESPN uh, or NFL primetime? Well, it was, it, it, I did Countdown, which was originally called Game Day and so on. And I was responsible for like graphic content. I didn't actually build the graphic. Now they do it at their desk. Um, but, you know, I provide the graphic content. 
um, during prime time, I'm off to the side. Tommy and Boomer are doing the highlight. Um, I'm keeping them honest with information and so on that's coming, especially from the late games. And probably my most important thing was historical perspective. You know, if, if Chris had a, a question about, um, you know, when was the last time this happened? When was the last time that happened? Uh, and, you know, the, listen, the best thing you could do with Tom Jackson and, and Chris Berman primetime was just get out of their way. Okay. Their chemistry was absolutely amazing. But, you know, I, I was there to help out. And then, you know, sometime during the night, I would do inside the numbers and, you know, doing that show live, which I did for 17 years and, and never missed a show, um, was one of the all time great experiences. Uh, but it was, and, and, you know, when I was getting, when we do the morning show, I was there to, for Chris, you know, he'd be writing the script. Guy wrote their own scripts back then. Chris is a great writer. Uh, but it, I was always within earshot of a question here, a question here. When was this happen? When would this happen? Who's this? Who's that? Um, always a lot of humor injected with, you know, which Chris is remains to this day and still doing prime NFL primetime plus on ESPN plus and so on. Um, but yeah, it, it, support system more than anything else. And then I had other duties as well. Like, you know, the Monday meeting was story ideas and, you know, how does this affect that? Yeah. Keeping everybody up on the playoff picture. Um, you know, dra- it, it, it had to be a jack of all trades and just completely immersed in it. And 40 years and counting doing this, I'm still wondering how I got so lucky. Never went to college, just a big football fan. It all worked out. That's awesome. Impressive. Russell, I, I'll tell you what, man. Um, hey, next Russell, Tuesday. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. There you go. Okay. Bougie. Bougie <laughs> yeah. uh, well, before I start, I want to say that, you know, to this day, still NFL count, uh, primetime with Boomer, that's still my favorite non-cartoon show that I've ever saw. I used to watch that show every Sunday. It was awesome just to watch them talk football. What? And, and but Mark, so did the players. The players would get in the locker room and, you, you, you know, eventually the guys would talk to them. They couldn't wait to get on there, especially if you're doing an early game. You know, they sit and wait and, and so on and watch the highlights. And Chris did highlights to this day. No one does highlights like him. And it's at all natural and it just rolls off the tongue and, and so on. And him and Tommy had great chemistry. And, you know, it's funny, Mark, is you're seeing a lot of the old shows of NFL primetime pop up on TikTok now. Confirming yep. all his great, you know, the from Louisville and all this, all oh, um, yep. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, let's do, let's do, okay. Everybody's got to remember one. So remember he would always give everybody a player, a nickname, right? So one of my favorites, uh, Eric B played with the Bengals, uh, back in the nineties and it was yep. Eric sleeping with the enemy, right? So what's, what's one of your, what's one of your favorites? That, that might be, I think the most, I mean, he had Andre bad moon rising, um, thermal <laughs> Thomas, um, I thought Doug. Eric uh, Eric sleeping with the enemy was the most clever because the way it just rolled off the tongue and people understood <laughs> it right away. But I remember mean, Doug Pelfrey? It was Doug Pelfrey. Doug's uh, what was it? Bats, Bats in the Bats Doug Bats in the Pelfrey. <laughs> I, I think his favorite bit to do would be when John Carney would kick a game-winning field goal. Do you remember John Carney, the place yeah, kicker? Yeah. I got to be a honeymooners fan. John Carney, Sheila McRae, good night, everybody. <laughs> that I think that was arguably his favorite thing to do, because it, you know, uh, 
Mark Ingram. Do you remember how I used to go, Mark Ingram? Do you, you guys remember I mean, that? And I'm talking about Mark Ingram, for Mark. the wide receiver, not Mark Ingram, the running back, Mark Ingram, the wide receiver uh, who played for the Giants. There was a radio show, a very popular radio host on WABC named Dan Ingram. And he was, you know, he did, and he always, the jingle was Dan Ingram. So every time he would introduce Mark Ingram, there was also Chris Calloway, Heidi, Heidi, hi, Heidi, yeah, Heidi, Heidi, yeah. Heidi, ho, Cab Calloway. Um, I mean, <laughs> he didn't need a lot of help. This stuff, um, Duval might as well face it, you're addicted to love. <laughs> yep, yep. I just That's look at him sometime. I'm like, oh my God. How did you come up with that? Oh, yeah. Hey, you mean, know what, Carl? Hey, so we got some good ones in here from some of our viewers. Remember Carl Pickens? It was Carl Slim Pickens. Pickens. Yep, yep. Yeah, that's a good one. There was hey, one time I, he, he actually asked me once, um, and this is true, To if I could remember and just start list. I went through like three pages of just typing up the names that he had spouted off over the years. And I'm sure I could do – I mean, there, and, and someone – other things as he did as well, um, uh, you know, with the historical perspective. I, I I watched him do, I watched him do a Steeler Raider game, which was in the mid two thousand. And you guys will obviously remember the Steelers and Raiders played each other in the playoffs a lot in the nineteen seventies. Um, it was a real back and forth game, and he started substituting the Raider players from the seventies into this highlight, and then he started substituting the Steelers players. No, that's not Mean Joe Green. That's blah, blah, blah. No, that's not Dave Casper. That's blah, blah, blah. I mean, his passion and his love for doing that just made it for uh, so much fun. And it, you never know, knew it was going to happen. And I've told people this a hundred times. The late highlights, when Tommy and Boomer were literally handed the shot sheet, and all they got was a shot sheet, okay? This is the this is thing, and then they did their thing. They got those five minutes before the highlight aired and the spontaneity and was just unbelievable. We, we, you know, we got to see the early highlights from the one o'clock games and then we'd make our way down to the studio. But, you know, it's 740 and here comes Seahawks Chiefs in overtime and they just did it. And it was fantastic. Russell, uh, you know, uh, we, no whoop. Yeah. A lot yeah. Of whoop. yeah. Go ahead, Tom. No, Russell, I was just, you know, again, thank you for all your time tonight. And, uh, you know, please, so we know we're, we're not here fighting alone in, in southwest Ohio, northern Kentucky, and southeastern Indiana. Please keep up the positive energy on, on Ken Anderson. Keep uh, everybody on the East Coast plugged in. He, he deserves it, and, and we, we want it for him, uh, you know, because he deserved it. He, he was a franchise quarterback. He was the face of the franchise. Uh, he came within a foot of winning a Super Bowl, uh, which I still think is one of the most foolish qualifications for a quarterback, but no. not for a head, but not for a head coach. Right. Uh, you know, a four-time passing champion, NFL MVP, NFL Man of the Year, uh, which now the Walter Payton Award. Uh, there's no reason, no good reason, he's he's not there. And I hope you don't mind if we can. Uh, Occasionally bother you during the football season while we're on. Oh, are you kidding me? Gee, I don't know. Yeah, I get to sit here and talk football with four other guys, including a bougie guy and another guy who knows he's Stroudsburg. Gee, I can't even imagine. By the way, you know what? I saw the whoop up there. Do you know what one that just popped in my head that was always a good one? Mike, you're in good hands 
with Allstott. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that was all. Every time he ran, it was a boom, 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 boom. You know, he made. You know, it is. He made football fun. You know why? Because yeah. football's supposed to be fun. Yeah, here's here's another good one here. I didn't know we'd get on this topic tonight. TJ, you say, who's your mom? Who, who, who's your daddy? <laughs> who's your mama? <laughs> I can't remember. How but uh, well, the, stuff, you so. know, the, you know, the, the thing with Tommy Jackson in Louisville, because of, that's where he went to school, and that kind of started things. And then it just kind of branched out to almost like any school, you know, uh, Syracuse, uh, you know, Michigan, whatever, whatever it was. Sometimes. You see, you see what school he said first, gentlemen. Why would you even say Syracuse, Russell? Why would you even? You mention know, Syracuse? he's a north northeast guy. You know how many running backs we've got out of Stroudsburg, yeah. Pennsylvania. You know who grew up? It's a pipeline right up eighty-one, right to Syracuse. Sorry, Russell, I'm an up to New York guy <laughs> and a Syracuse fan. If in case you didn't, well, I'm not. Listen, I have, I have no college affiliation. You know, my close the closest thing I came to college, going to college was watching Animal House. Okay. <laughs> Pre-law, pre pre-med. What's the difference? Okay. Hey, Russell, brother. Hey, next Tuesday, we hope we're celebrating uh, hearing Ken uh, Ken Anderson get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, we're, we're glad he's in the room, the the final twelve here, and hopefully he sneaks into one of those those top three spots. Man, we're we're going to be here next Tuesday, and and hopefully we're celebrating uh, because this has been long overdue for for Ken Anderson. But we appreciate you being with us, buddy. It means a lot, and I I. Thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, I, I could talk to you all damn day, brother. This is good stuff, oh, man. Thanks for being with us. I appreciate it. I, I'm going to ask a favor. When the show is over, can you guys send me this? Because I have a Bengals fan I know who wants to hear this show tonight. Well, Tom will we'll send you the link. We'll send me the link, and, and I'll, ta I'll take care of the rest. All right, brother. Hey, we appreciate you, Russell. Thank you, buddy. No problem. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Russ. Have a great night. Well, thanks. You guys, too. Thanks. He oh. was fun. He was fun. We got to give him that. We got to get Mark's autograph too. And unsolicited Syracuse mention on on tonight's show. That was he can come back great. anytime. He can um, come back anytime. All right. Uh oh, here he goes. This is the two man warning. Wow, he just came on strong there. Third down guy for like two out of the last three weeks, man. My shoulder Let's go kick. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Mark. Get us started, buddy. All right. Uh, you know, I'm just looking forward to another game this Friday. Um, you know, definitely looking to see if the offensive line and the quarterbacks can play a little better. Uh, what I'm really looking for is the receivers. Um, I think that if we can develop another outside receiver, whether it's Yoshi Vosh or uh, the guy from Purdue, whose name is escaping me, um, if we could develop Charlie. that. Yeah. If we could develop that, maybe put Chase or Higgins in the slot, or maybe put Chase more in the backfield, and you know, and if we have a viable option on the outside that can go deep and stretch the field, that just opens up the whole field, maybe the middle for the tight ends. Uh, so that's really what I'm looking for, just continued progress, and I really want to see what the uh, the backup receivers can do. Tom. Tom. You know, for, for Friday night, uh, it's uh, again develop the backups. I don't think Zach, Zach is still doesn't feel like the type of guy that wants to play the starters very much. Uh, we know we're not going to see Joe Burrow. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing the starting offensive line at least play a series at some point this preseason so they can be in there together. And, uh, it, oh, God, Jimmy, please. But, uh, 
you know, it's 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 more development and to watch the defense continue to grow and get that, you know, last week I had a lot of people text me, and, oh my God, it's it's happening, the backslide. Well, you know, we play our twos against their ones and our threes against their twos and a little bit their ones. So I wasn't, uh, you know, the, the thing with a preseason game is you're going to see some things you like. You're going to see some things you don't like. The bottom line is, did you get out of the game without injuries? Because uh, I'm not sure we see our Cincinnati Bengals on the field until week one. Hope everybody can keep the positive energy and boost on social media and support of Ken Anderson. A week from the day, the senior committee will meet, pick three names. He deserves to be one. We'll see if, uh, you know, they've certainly been in a slump long enough. They can get on a hot streak as far as I'm concerned with Ken Riley this year and Ken Anderson next year. And uh, then we'll get on to the modern candidacy of Willie Anderson and go from there. But thank you for everybody for tuning in. You've got a lot of different places with a lot of good people you can get your Bengals information from. And we really appreciate uh, you guys spending an hour with us, Jimmy. Now go ahead, James. Uh, yeah, I'll, yep. I'll go ahead. Uh, first of all, Tom, thanks for getting Russell Baxter on. What a, uh, what a guest there. I, I didn't know all that backstory there uh, with ESPN and, and Chris Berman and, and all that stuff. So that was, uh, that was neat and look forward to having him on again. We do have a, um, a winner, a, uh, a guest of the night that's going to take home that FOCO jungle hat fit for an African safari or simply a, a boat trip down the mighty Ohio river. Uh, Bengals and it can be worn. It, it, James, it, it can be worn at the whiteout game too. Now you can do it for the week too. As hot as it is during the games now in September, it feels for the for the whiteout. Right. But um, so we got to announce a winner, Jimmy. Uh, who's going to uh, who's going to take home the uh, the white hat? You didn't pick one. Well, I kind <laughs> of did. And All right, it, you got it. it. I, I got cool. it right here. Brian had a, a couple good questions. Greatest show ever, he said. He just put it at the, at the right time. Brian, I don't know how to pronounce your last name. I'm not going to uh, butcher it. You get the jungle hat. The jungle hat, right? Isn't that a good name for it? Yeah, a good jungle name hat, it. courtesy of uh, Foco. So send us a, um, a PM. And while I'm thinking about that, we also have a couple spots left in our fantasy football league. So go to um, Facebook. Send us a DM. $50 donation, 100% goes to charity. It's your chance to, uh, once again, make Bengal Jim finish in last place for, uh, I think, five consecutive years. Mon, who is uh, just on here right now, who tuned in a little late, uh, we'll, we'll give you an, an excuse tonight, Mon. They're our defending champion. He'll be back to defend the, um, the crown. But uh, if you'd like to join the fantasy uh, Bengal Jim Fantasy Football League, send us a... Uh, a message. Oh, yes, Mon, we know you didn't need to put it on there. I was going to give you your props. Man, just gloating. Gloating tonight. Uh, and Vinny, Vinny was, uh, I know you guys saw him in Canton. Yeah, it was and, great uh, to see. It was great to see Vinny in Canton, man. He was, he, was, he was genuinely as excited as we were. I mean, I, it was awesome to meet him. I wish I could have got to spend I uh, wish we got to spend more time with him, though, Tom. We've got to get him, if there are any left, uh, this year's Jungle to the, Jungle to the Hall 3 T-shirt. Yep. We do he have needs him. One. We're going to have him at the uh, the first game. So, Vinny, send us your information. to Everybody's walking away with a prize tonight. So, uh, as always, we couldn't do this without you, the fans. So, we appreciate your interaction, popping questions up there, and, 
and just being us being here for us every um, Tuesday night. So uh, behind me, um, we had a great uh, skyline event, tailgate event uh, before practice on Sunday. So we appreciate everybody that uh, came out. I think we dished out a thousand snow cones uh, for kids, ran out of syrup, and then we went in the Bengal Gym cooler and found adult hard seltzer drinks. And even the, the parents walked away uh, happy on uh, Sunday. But what behind me here is the, the season ticket holder blanket. They did hand those out um, Sunday prior to practice. You'll have an opportunity to get them throughout the, um, the season from the Bengals and at home games, much like they did last year. So uh, if you're a season ticket holder, that's what you'll get this year. And uh, without further ado, Jimmy, let's end it. Yeah. Yeah, man. That was uh Sunday was an absolute great event down there. It was a lot of, a lot of fans. The, the crowds that they're getting at the practices is just unbelievable. Uh, but hey, just uh, next Tuesday, we'll see you guys back here next Tuesday. Um, congratulations on was it who who won that again? Was it Michael? I can't remember the name. Um, Brian, uh, Brian, Brian. Somebody's already dropped the big hat. Everybody, somebody's crypto yeah. first trying yeah. to get the hat. Everybody's envious of this hat. Yeah, thanks, thanks to Focos guys. I'm just going to tell you right now, there is going to be way more stuff we're going to be giving away on our podcast, our social media platforms, and at the tailgate. Just wait till you see the stuff we have planned with FOCO. Pretty excited about this stuff, man. So a week from today, next Tuesday, guys, we are going to know whether Ken Anderson is in that top three. Um, I'm happy as hell he's in that 12, but, man, I hope he can get in that top three this year. Um, You know, and soon after that, we got to start refocusing our time and energy on Willie Anderson. Uh, He's not in that senior committee right now. So uh, good luck to Ken Anderson. Uh, Everybody this, this week, just like Tom was saying, 14 posts about Ken Anderson on any social media platform you're on. Hashtag put Ken in. 14 posts. Positive posts. Positive posts. Exactly. Keep doing what we did for Ken Riley. 14 positive posts by every single fan from today until next Tuesday. Uh, that would be awesome. So um, good luck to Ken. Thanks so much for everybody joining us. And if you're watching on YouTube right now, guys, we're having some Facebook Facebook connect connectivity issues between StreamYard, our, our platform that we're using here. Click subscribe if you can. Uh, it's amazing how many people watch on YouTube. It's even more amazing how many people watch on YouTube but aren't subscribing to our YouTube channel. So if you're able to click subscribe right now, uh, we appreciate it. So uh, we get uh, we get numbers around, you know, how many people watch on YouTube and how many people watch on YouTube that are subscribers versus not subscribers. So we appreciate uh, if you could subscribe and follow us. So, guys, we appreciate it. Got some big guests lined up here next couple of weeks. We'll kind of get the word out here in the next few days uh, on next Tuesday. So thanks, everybody. We appreciate uh, you guys being part of it, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Good day, everybody. Good day. Good day. First thing in the morning, as soon as you wake up, the to-do list starts. Does the car need gas? Hopefully those leftovers are still good. Why did I get CC'd on the <laughs> No. You can't escape the to-do list, but you can make the most of your me time with a relaxing shower using Method Hair Care products. Try Pure Peace Volumizing, Simply Nourish Moisturizing, or Daily Zen Shampoo and Conditioner for daily use. All formulated with long-lasting fragrances and are safe for color-treated hair. Reconnect with the best version of yourself. Visit methodproducts.com to unleash your inner shower.